Open our lips, O God, that our mouths might proclaim your praise. Amen. What do you love? God loves Sarah and Abraham. We hear it in the story today. We hear the story of God's declaration to them. You are mine. I am yours. This is how I see you. I will even change your name because I want you to know things about yourselves that you may not have even known about yourselves and to declare what this relationship will be about. You will be ones from whom generations will come forth. I am yours and you are mine and nothing will ever break that. It's a love declaration. And all that God asks of Sarah and Abraham is that they walk blameless with God. And this is a good day for us to remember our Hebrew. I'm sure when you went to vacation Bible school, you studied the Hebrew translation of this, correct? Maybe not. Because if we went around the room and if you hadn't studied Hebrew and you'd say, what does it mean to be blameless? You know what you'd define it as. But the Hebrew word here doesn't mean without mistake. It doesn't mean it as we understand. It really means whole. It means connected. Be connected. Be whole with me. Be wholehearted with me. That's why it's not a coincidence when Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with your whole heart. It's not a coincidence that just a few moments ago when we offered the confession that we said we confess to you that we have not loved you with our whole heart. Not a coincidental word. And what we're really saying is we're admitting to you that we hedged our bets this week. We're admitting to you that we wanted to trust you and ourselves, but, you know, we didn't. And we hedged our bets on some other stuff and gave part of our heart to something else because we weren't really sure, God, if you or perhaps if we were really up to it. So we didn't give you our whole heart. But we listened to some other things and tried to trust them instead. We confess that we have allowed some other forces, some other affections to drive what we did. And we're naming that here in the confession. And God is saying simply, Walk with me with a whole heart, with an open heart. Don't hedge your bets. That's all I ask for this love relationship. And Sarah and Abraham are not held up because they did it so perfectly. We know that. But what we do know is that time and again, when they did become fearful, when they did try to bring on something to help God just a bit, you know, that sooner or later some word through some other person or some other place would come to them and they'd say, you're right. And we need to get our heart back to you and walk from that place and not from our fears. What do you love? It's Jesus' question in the Gospel today. I love how the text says, He is speaking openly. He's speaking plainly. Jesus never, in this moment, is going to use a parable. He's just telling you, here is what it is. 
Yes, in the last two weeks, we've heard about transfiguration. We've seen Jesus in this radiant glory. Yes, last week we heard that proclamation in the baptism, you are my beloved child, you please me, which is about us. And Jesus continues the conversation and says, yes, and if you follow this way, if you follow with your whole heart, what you're going to see is that the Son of God is going to be betrayed and suffer and will die. And if you follow on this way, you too will be betrayed and you will suffer and you will die. If you wish to live this relationship of fidelis, this is where it will take you. Lay down your life if you want to find it. And that laying down of heart we know too well is not Jesus saying just don't have any dignity, but what it's saying is let go of all the safeguards. Come into this with your whole heart. Let go of all the pretended calls to safety and intimacy and recognize that the wilderness isn't just Jesus' story, but it's our story. And as one person I heard this last week said, when will we accept that the wilderness isn't a story, it is the story of our life? It's not just something that happens periodically or only happens because we or someone else screws up, you know. It is the story. And when we can accept that, then there's a whole lot of freedom. Because then we can address what the wilderness is all about particularly Jesus' story, that cover the big three, if you will. Hunger, safety, and being adored. I mean, that's what the devil's really throwing at Jesus. Don't ever worry about being vulnerable. Just give me your heart, and it'll be okay, and you'll be okay. Just give me your heart, and everybody will adore you. When Jesus is calling this generation adulterous, what he's saying is, we live in a world where people are always willing to sell their hearts for whatever will promise them some safety. And they will always give a chunk of their heart and sell it because they don't know how to be wholehearted. And we don't know how to be wholehearted because we hear those voices that kind of softly say to us, I will be your lover, and I will make you safe and secure, and I will give you all the adoration you need. And it's interesting that Jesus never says the first half. He never says, I will make you safe and secure. We do hear the adoration part. You are beloved. You are pleasing. But safe and secure, not part of the story. Jesus and Peter today are operating from two very different stories. Peter may or may not even be aware of the story he's operating from. As a culture, often, we're not really aware, I think, of of some of the ways and the stories that we're operating from or the things that are driving us. And Peter hears Jesus saying, suffer, die, be betrayed. And he's saying, no, don't do that. The healings play real well. People like those stories. We, we like those stories. 
And Jesus, you know what happens when people start talking like you're talking. Just, just pull back. Who knows what's driving Peter? We can make some hunches. He certainly wants to keep it safe. And Jesus is operating from another story that he is aware of, one that he has immersed himself in. And he's saying, you were really enthralled by that gathering with Elijah and Moses, weren't you? That was pretty exciting, wasn't it? Because you saw the radiance and the glory, and you're thinking, Moses, Elijah, Jesus, us. And they've forgotten the story because they forgot what Moses' life was like. When Moses was in Israel and sees someone get murdered and he defends the person and then he has to flee because his life is in danger and he flees for a long period and God's saying, go back to the people. And he's saying, no, they're going to kill me. And God says, go back to the people. He says, no, they're going to kill me. And finally, he can't take it anymore and he goes back to the people. And finally, Pharaoh agrees to let the people go and you're thinking, deliverance. And what do the people do in the wilderness with him? Complain. This is no promised land. What have you brought us out into? You love Elijah. Think about what happens to Elijah, who stands up to all the prophets who are pretending, and they all eventually get slain. But then when the leaders say, we're coming for you, he runs in fear. And God says, go back out there. And he says, but they're coming for me. Go back out there. No, I'm the only one that's faithful. And God says, no, actually, there's about 3,000 down there. And they're waiting for you to be connected to them and to me. Jesus knows the story. And he understands what Fidelis, giving our whole heart to God, is all about. And here's the thing. What Jesus understands is that Giving God our whole heart will never be safe. It will never be secure. But when we choose Fidelis, when we choose to give each other our whole hearts and give God our whole hearts, what we can do is look each other in the eyes. What we can do is look ourselves in the eyes. And what we can do is look God in the eyes. And to look at each other, to look at ourselves, to look at God in the eyes without shame and fear, what's that worth? Our whole heart? Jesus says, know the story. Know what it means to live fidelis. And know that it will mean laying down your life. It's the only way to life. So what do you love? What do we, as a people, love? To keep walking into Lent is to, as Jesus is doing today, speak plainly. To keep walking in the Lent is to name those things that are drawing our heart, those things that are inviting us to name, where have we sold our heart? Where are we hedging our bets, just in case God's not up to it, or even more frighteningly, maybe we don't think we're up to it. Lent is about examining what we love and the consequences of a divided heart.
What do you love? What does it take to live fidelis? What does it take to love with our whole heart?